Hello, this is Olaf Kirstorfer, and I want to thank you for joining my poetry reading of Hamlet's In Exile, a book just out from Lamar University Literary Press and available online from several bookstores. I don't want to give you a long lecture about Hamlet, the play, which you might have heard, read, or seen. You should be able to, whether you've seen or read the play, to be able to follow along with our character Hamlet's. If you've never even read the play, uh, you should be able to experience a person who goes through different things. No matter your situation, you will see Hamlet close to the play, and you will see Hamlet travel through the different centuries and to different locales. Let's get right into the poems. The first one is called Hamlet Fishing. Hamlet Fishing. Cast out the line and be content where it lands. Let the bobber float, dance up and down, if it is in your mind. Tug a little if you absolutely must. Ascertain if fish are nibbling, or your thoughts turn to phantoms even when you should empty your mind. For God's sake, do you need someone not to spare the rod? Does Calvin, not the Hobbes kind, need to accompany you fishing? Does every bird on the wing have to be prey or falcon? Can you just this once clear your mind and cast and bring in the line so something solid like peace or a fish touches your antic self? We continue our journey with Hamlet uh, closer to the play this time. You will recall that the evil uncle Claudius had sent Hamlet away on a ship to be executed He's going to England, and this poem is called Sea Gown Ahoy. Sea Gown Ahoy. The eloquence of words, as if Hamlet's had really spoken them. My sea gown scarfed about me. As I walk through the rain, shielded by foldable umbrella, too small to protect legs, stepping ahead. Had Hamlet deployed an umbrella that night, he threw caution to hell and finally struck, with a pen to avoid having his dipping head chopped off, might even have ordered a burger with cheese and bacon, if his puppeteers, anachronisms, had allowed it. But no, he had to go back to the royal wine bar for twits, with Claudius concocting a drinking game to end the play, obedient Hamlet stuck and struck full stop ahead. Hamlet uh, appears in many places, and in that vein, this poem is called Only Connect. Only connect. Hamlet at dusk, or is it dawn, at the Esso station, running into Hopper posing as a gas attendant. Not everything can be perfect, he volunteers, while filling up Hamlet's car. Hamlet lights a cig and offers Hopper a smoke. We have to live dangerously, pumping Edward grins, and lets Hamlet give him a light. It turns out it was Hemingway, not Hopper. Misremembrance is a gift. Hamlet, uh, this time we will join outside and uh, he will do something that's been a popular pastime, even these days with plastic ones. This poem is called Kite Flying. Kite Flying. The throbbing of ink in my ears. Pulse in the pillow, rain and thunder outside the castle. I wake up thinking Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are flying kites in this mess. 
lightning their string? What will happen to my playmates? Who are their parents? Conversations stopping like hens' heads severed when I entered the room. Did they not have the same wet nurse as I? I look for features in them when I squint or frame a moment of their faces. I think my father, my mother, uncle, the weather is bad. Should I go outside and rescue my friends on spooling kites as if they were fish at the other end of the line? Now, Hamlet takes on many different appearances and he goes to many different places. And this poem in that uh, thoughts is called Bearish, Bearish. You cannot expect Hamlet to be the same Hamlet wherever he travels. Today, he is an explorer wearing protective eye gear meant for Arctic explorers. The whole outfit, the way most of us imagine it. He has not stepped out to greet penguins or a polar bear, but it is only a matter of time before he walks in awkward posture toward the frozen bear float without any bars, the off-white bear angry, the ice has split and hunting is bad. Hamlet is on the tip of the tongue of the bear. You get to know the character further. The boy who would not play rough, this next poem. The boy who would not play rough. Hamlet, are you birds scoping again? I find you spend an inordinate amount of time looking closely upon feathers and beaks, the perch and flights of the most common sparrow. Why do you devote hours building small tables to hang in trees? Acorns mulled over to delight a woodpecker as much as yourself? Take up the wooden sword with Laertes and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I hear them slapping in the courtyard, voices crowing schadenfreude at mist lunges, falls on rears. Too close you are to your mother's nape, she knitting you a warm sweater and mittens to spend icy time with gulls off the cliffs, your scope trained on birds' faces as if their countenance provided company superior to your royal tree growing to count your every year. Now, Hamlet is a fairly peaceful person, uh, but uh, we will see Hamlet uh, hunting, and this poem is called Hamlet's Hunting. See how you like the slings and arrows now, Hamlet. Go to the park among the trees, where squirrels play with hard nuts. See if you can hold steady and knock one dead, or aim for limp like indecision, so you can grab it by bushy tail. Unless you do let go, looking into its big, deep eye, a sore in your Rorschach blotted mind, leaving everyone but you safe, your uncle in his penciled Inabilis Sioris costume for fushing, lent of your mind, dry as the spring of Ophelia's brook knots. Now Hamlet's, of course, the setting of Hamlet's is not immune to our modern thoughts so we have a sexist pig sexist pig Claudius and Gertrude in their dampish Danish castle house full of guests with that whippet hound Hamlet sniffing about if a dog he would be sure to pee on the rugs out of spite 
And then Ophelia, traipsing about, listening to that pompous Polonius discoursing on virginity before exchanging neither a borrower nor a lender be with his male heir. Is any relief in sight? Is Gertrude's betting Claudius an act of feminist empowerment or subjugation? I just cannot get out of this weedy garden and mucky mud brook. If I wore a silk dress or shiny armor, I would be screwed either way, waiting for Fortinbras Interruptus. Now, some of you, if you read the play, may recall that there is a platform that keeps appearing and reappearing in the stage instructions. This poem is called The Platform. The Platform. Roaming sea and scary cliffs, likely bad lightning round midnight, guarding friends only half holding onto Hamlet, empty speech of warning as if caring or caring as if warning, Hamlet skips to another part of the platform, and we are supposed to marvel at his father's ghost out for a walk, refreshing dark after daylight flames, a bitter son of a bitch urging his son to buck up, take a stand, against the poisoner now in bed with his widow, and Hamlet making no promise but exchanging falconer language with Horatio, taking the easy way out, going to pray. Any excuse not to hunt prey. We know that uh, there are sailors in hamlets, and we know that the mode of transportation besides horses certainly was ship. And we have a poem called Sailor. Sailor, I've sailed in my small boat below the cliffs of Elsinore, looked up to see the gray mass of home I call a castle where dim-witted and corrupt officials walk the halls, decked with portraits and shields and spears and holders of torches. Where is my moral compass blind uncle, jumping on my mother like a beast in her chamber, or head drooping before the fireplace, belly and bladder full of mead, so sure servants will clean up any mess he makes? Intellect is a stranger sitting next to him, the fire too hot to endure for too long. As it rises like a ghost, walks past him and moves, the spirit through castle walls and down the cliffs, where I sit in my boat and shape unpleasant thoughts. Hamlets can certainly be transformed into the modern world and travel, and he can go back and forth easily within the lines of a poem. So in Hamlet Swim's Laps, our next poem, uh, we will we'll see that. Hamlet Swim's Laps. I dream of ancient Rome, where I might have a clear pool, a lane to follow up and down, 50 meters, hark, the metric system rules, and when I watch the tiles through my clear goggles, below and before me, I count them, so that I know four in the center are black, surrounded by four on each side, to send me along an arrow that makes sense while I sort what could be calmed down. My explosions at my uncle inside my head, my waste of clever spitefulness at Polonius, my seeking of quick relief with Ophelia, for which regrets come after the spray. And when I propel myself sleek like an otter and turn with splashes, I marvel in a pool of happiness, to set against, again, my mind ahead on course, to swim another length, 
Dreams of my mother, impure, as trunks fill with water. And then my mind switches to swimming in the cold and dark moats of my Danish castle, choosing the nights of liquid instead of riptide currents clear off the coast, ready to carry me off like some salmon spawned out in death. Hamlet had to grow up, and I presume he had baby teeth like all of us, so Hamlet and the Tooth Fairy appears. This poem, Hamlet and the Tooth Fairy. No little doorknobs or pivoting handles for Hamlet losing his baby teeth. Anchor an iron chain to the big knocker outside the box, the boy's quarters. Attach a link of cat's guts to the tooth. Slam the door, Gertrude. Vanish your son's little hickey maker. And when he bleeds, praise him with salt water to rinse the mouth. Though little good it did, his tongue darting to and fro for the whole world to know centuries later. Your son's hands able enough to get him into trouble writing orders to delay his execution, die by sword, fate just as rotten ratty as curtain Poloniuses. Now scholarships will inevitably enter any sort of scholarly endeavors, and uh, Hamlet is not immune either. So legacy scholarships we do have, and this poem is called Legacy Scholarships. I woke up thinking of Hamlet saying, I speak to you today via the BBC wireless, and it was in the current Queen Elizabeth's voice, also controlled, and he went on, We stand together as Wittenberg alumni, you and the fires worse than those licking my uncle's every part, and I wish to tell you how much I relish your accounts of cuffing the Pope. No trope can make up for your deed, and my studies were, as you know, cut short by family business, and points more lethal than dueling tongues, not one drop of the poisoned wine necessary to quench my life. And then the queen's voice continuing, so recognizable with imminent urgency and pronouncement already forecast. I have decided, dear Faustus, that we endow a scholarship in our names, and the recipients must not wear tights, not even in formal presentation ceremonies, as certain as your name comes before mine in the alphabet, and it will be all for the united study of theology and politics. Every boy, I think, needs a puppy, and I sure think that Hamlet could have used one. This poem, of course, Hamlet gets a puppy. Hamlet gets a puppy. You half sat, half lay in a basket, with hay fresh from the stable, where you had been whelped by the foot of the king's favorite cow, Elsie. I reached a finger, then two, and you licked as I bowed my head over your warm little presence, big ears, snooter wet, to rub your head and nape. Somewhere I imagine a star falling and shining, wisdom coming like a present, only I was too young to grasp all this, just that you needed to be scarfed by my princely garments, and we held on to each other, I having the footman fetch milk. Hamlet exists in, in many versions, and there, there, of course, has to be almost like a Terminator, though a different kind of Terminator, uh, a Hamlet 2.0. So this is Hamlet 2.0. Don't ask me such a stupid question when we fish for trout, if hooked I suffer. Just be grateful that you have the good fortune 
to have rights to land and none of the troubles of a farmer plowing a field with rocks before sleep, and you always know how you will die in the end. No, this version of 2.0 of Hamlet, Fresh Starts, is not that easy, and you should know that if you read carefully the last word of the six lines. I did not have the right stuff to write something, having nothing to do with the famous soliloquy. So many men have landed on the moon before. So many still dream all will start up again. And I say, do if you do, damned if you don't. You will recall Yorick, if you read the play, Yorick, that famous uh, jouster, or actually jester. And we have Yorick and Bloom. Yorick and Bloom. To begin afresh, even as I smell the moldy earth that held Yorick's skull, somewhere in the back of my mind, and in the future, past, gapes the death of Harold Bloom, as if that would ease anxieties. No, I am Hamlet's brother. I am Hamlet's, and I am someone else. Today the Blue Jays were shrieking through the yard, flying with power and hard beats of wings, one of us watching them feed off the bread. Hamlet said Claudius took his father, pronoun reference, full of bread, getting a puppy call me, him, Hamlet, for such a brief time, time mine not to wind. There are always detours from the play, and uh, Hamlet's will have a conjugal ceremony here. This is called Hamlet Gets Married. Hamlet's Gets Married. Forget the muddy death of Ophelia, muck purple prose poetry of Gertrude, sexualizing dead men's fingers on her body. The gown soaking up water and pulling her down, it floated up and over Ophelia's head, forming an air pocket for breath, so only those prudish viewing her exposed lady parts fared poorly, or so they say. That mermaid moment of Ophelia's, it lasted, so Hamlet and she stood side by side. He never got to grave tumble with Laertes, but instead to roll with her. The courtly priest was prevented from grumbling about burying a suicide, instead fuming over man marrying mermaid deflowered before. This poem is called Wishes for Hamlets. Wishes for Hamlets. It would be in poor taste to say, splish, splash, I was taking a bath. But Gertrude said Ophelia was singing snatches of old tunes, the fingers of dead men there, you remember. But no less appropriate than the gravedigger singing, jawing away with flesh about skulls that held tongues. Hamlet intruding like a curious bird, unwilling to let go of death swooping down, everyone, Alexander, all sorts of less distinguished folk, and alas, poor Yorick, the fool of his father, that Hamlet remembers kissing smack on the lips. If only Hamlet had been a clown, condemned to the pleasure of digging graves on stage, his mind filled with splish-splash before axions all. Hamlet engages in many activities we do not see in the play, and thus we have Hamlet ice skating. Hamlet ice skating. For every step you scratch into the ice, you think you can push away the anger over your father's death. You cannot. Accept the sorrow of revenge, a task ahead as unpleasant as having no mittens 
during this long scraping and scratching journey over a frozen lake that speaks only to our sense of beauty or the serene, an existence long before frost stopped by somewhere with snow falling like a postcard medicine for those as easily afflicted as fooled. When your ankles tire and you begin to trudge uphill to the castle, think of your wasted talent, frost scratching what you could have in the future. This one is called Morph, because Hamlet does exist in many shapes. Morph. Extra, extra, read all about it. Hamlet revealed as Icarus. Not that the working foot patrol would flock to the men and boys hawking the pulp, toss a coy in the direction. But for some of us, the revelation that Icarus is Hamlet is comforting in certainty of uncertainty. Fly low over the waves, my boy, flap it up and ride to the sun, burn brightly or drown darkly, adverbial bonfire of the vanities, of words swimming and sinking, naked and dressed on stage, Claudius, not your father. The next one will be about young and old, as Hamlet does not necessarily have to die. He's certainly not dead in our minds very often. Young and old. When I first met Hamlet, he was an old man full of hope, so different from his young, brooding self. Woe is me, I must avenge the death of my father. Why the hyphen can I not outsource this or find someone or something to rid my being of a tiresome to-do list hanging in my mind like laundry needing to be taken off, the clothesline to be folded? Pinch me with the pins. Why could Polonius' rat removal not be service enough? The old Hamlet had fire in his left eye, the kind that comes from knowing of a journey ahead, expecting the nothing of an uneventful sleep or blinking transformation into a squirrel, into the mind of old Hamlet doing his platform sasuras, pounced abstraction. A squirrel is pelt real, running with the soul of someone else, smacking and snacking on mandibles nuts from burial ground. We have Hamlet doing many things. He even uh, appears at the mall. So Christmas Hamlet at the mall it will be. Christmas Hamlet at the mall. At the mall, where nothing is sadder than the sound of employees in caged stores, running vacuum cleaners in anticipation or defeat of foot traffic, a safe Christmas song can be heard in the section with a track layout, the locomotive and two short cars to ride, the all-aboard given by a senior citizen who had a choice of teaching one more year of school or carrying along children this commerce way. If you look carefully beyond the two children riding unwisely this holiday train, mothers with smartphones capturing the event as if it were the first moon landing, Hamlet sits quietly riding a third car after all. I'm going to read one more poem here, as I've read mostly poems that still still are very close to the play itself. And um, this last poem that I would like to uh, read is called Hamlet's on Writing. I dream of a new Hamlet, myself in the third person, with vowels and consonants tooting and clicking, but at a lower level, where the toot is not overly loud, the clicks a pleasant 
inducement to rhythm. Castle carp in the moody moat a bit much, and the ahs and oohs should be kept to a bearable decibel reading. I do not want to hear Polonius friction towing around on carpets, nor are the ahs of Coitus Claudius and gaudy Gertrude good for the volume. Give me something driable, drivable muse. I want to thank you again for joining me for a brief reading of my new book, Hamlets in Exile, issued from Lamar University Literary Press. It's available from any bookstore online, and I wish you uh, eventful, exciting interaction with Hamlet, whether it's in my book or if you return or come for the first time to the grand play called Hamlet by William Shakespeare. Thank you for joining me.